Oh, good morning, everyone. If you haven't met, my name's David. Um, I'm going to just pray as I, we head into this passage. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that you want us to know the truth. And I pray, Lord, that as we look at this passage, that we would walk away truly blessed and understanding how to respond to this great gift of Jesus. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, you know, sometimes I wish that I could read as well as Vivian did. Um, I am the worst reader in the world. If you've ever heard me do it, I'll do it today. And you'll go, oh, heck, he can't read. So I'm very thankful for different gifted people. And I'm glad that Vivian was able to read that in a way that uh, helped us to understand the passage better. But that passage has a lot in it. It is full and it is rich with stuff. And if you actually pull that apart, there are so many elements as we head into the Christmas period that you could grab hold of and uh, take hold truths because God wants us to know it. But this morning, we are just going to narrow that down and we are going to look at the three responses of the people who were impacted by that incredible news. Jesus, the saviour of the world, is coming. And when it comes to response... I don't know how you go with this, but, you know, you have good news and you have bad news and how people respond to that. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, but often we remember the occasions that the responses weren't good. Uh, when I, I got married, um, my wife walked through the door, the man from Snowy River, Jessica's theme song was playing, there's my beautiful wife coming down. I'm there going, oh my goodness, how did this happen? How did I get her? She walks up to the front of me. I take her hands and go, how are you going, darling? She, and she says to me, I've been throwing up since five o'clock this morning. <laughs> that was not the response I was looking for. But I'm just as bad too because when uh, our first child was born, I should have been jumping around celebrating and I looked at Michelle and my response to that was, we are never doing that again unless you want to. And then I was reminded of a bad occasion of uh, a tractor that flipped over and the young fellow who was driving it didn't have roll bars on it. It had flipped over and he was stuck underneath and his dad was digging him out. And as they finally reached his son, not a response, Dad, thanks for saving me. It was, can we get a new tractor now, Dad? <laughs> See, responses are an interesting thing because they give a little snapshot of how someone is thinking at that very raw moment. It doesn't mean that they'll continue on thinking that way, but it gives, their, it gives us a little snapshot of that. And in today's passage, we see three reactions by three, very, uh, uh, by three people, Zachariah, Elizabeth, and Mary. And my hope is, and my prayer is this morning, that we might understand the responses better, how they responded, that we too might understand how we respond as we think about the Christmas story and how it impacts us. So let's start with Zechariah. Well, what do we know about Zechariah? Well, the passage tells us that he was a priest uh, and he had a, a wife named Elizabeth. Uh, he was a descendant of Aaron, the, the priest that was with Moses. And in verse 6, it tells us that both he and Elizabeth... Uh, both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands, decrees, blamelessly. Now, that's quite a statement, isn't it? But out of all of that, they were childless. And the passage tells us they were not just old, they were very old. And so the scene is set here that Zechariah uh, was his division, his part, there might have been hundreds of priests, but his uh, group of priests were looking after the temple 
and they were on duty and they would choose lots. It wasn't just a giving that you would get to do this, but to go in and put incense prior to the sacrifices being made in the morning and after the sacrifices being made at night, uh, you went into the, the most holy place where God dwelled, or at least the image of that. And so there he was in there putting the incense in there and people were outside worshipping and praying and we'll pick it up at verse 11. If you've got your Bibles with you, please open them up because I'm going to work through a few of these. Listen to how this goes down. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him standing right at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayers have been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is to never to take wine or other fermented drinks, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go, out, go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, fair bit there, isn't it? Did you get it all? Zechariah is going to have a son, not just any son, He's going to be a son that turns a whole bunch of people back to God and get, this son is going to get the people of God prepared for something they've been waiting for thousands of years, a saviour. Now that's big on many fronts. He's going to have a boy. Woohoo! Not only that, I don't know, how would you feel as a parent if God came to you before your child was born and said, your child is going to be a delight to you? Well, well, like, I might have thought that that was going to happen. I, I love my kids, but they haven't been delight all the time. But not only that, to be told, I'm thankful that my kids aren't here or my wife right now, or the response might not be great in either of them. Uh, but, but not only that, he's going to be someone who's going to turn people back to God. How, how amazing is that? To get, to get your head into the picture of how important John was, look at this, this is the illustration I think of. I'm out west, I'm driving along the highway, uh, Warrigo or the Leichhardt Highway, where mines are, and you're driving along and this pilot comes around the corner, you know, little orange flashing lights, and you're driving along and you go, oh, there's something coming. And then you drive a little bit further and there's another pilot, pilot coming towards you with lights flashing, you go, oh, something fairly big's coming. Those pilots are like the prophets of the Old Testament, saying that they pointed something coming. But when you come over the rise and there's a police car there right in the middle of the road pointing you off the road, you know something big is coming and you need to get off the road and stop. That is John. He is that guy who gave direction to his people, something big is coming, turn back now. And of course, the big thing coming here is our saviour. That's where John fits into this, and that's what Zechariah was hearing in that, uh, from that angel. It is big. It's exciting news. It really doesn't get better than this. 
So how does Zacharias respond to this? Look at verse 18. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. He's lucky his wife wasn't there. Hey, get slapped right there. But what the heck? There is an angel standing in front of you. You obviously recognise he's an angel because he was fearing. I don't know whether you know this, but any time an angel shows up, they have to, have to always say, do, do not be afraid. That's because they're these awesome beings. It's pretty hard to avoid it. The angel clearly explains to um, Zachariah, this is what's going to happen. And he asks, how can I be sure of this? He's looking for another sign. How could he do this? He wants, what could be much bigger than this? Now, I guess I shouldn't pick on Zechariah completely here because within God's word, this happens a number of times. When Abraham is told about all the good stuff that's going on, he asks for a sign. Uh, in Gideon, going to war, he puts out the fleece. Remember that story? And as we go on through the New Testament, we see the Pharisees and the religious leaders always asking for a sign, even when the Son of God is standing right in front of them. You know, as I read this, I realise that I might be caught out thinking this way too. That God has done so much for us, has done so much for Zachariah, and we, Zachariah would have known that, he's, that God fulfils his promises just as we do. But instead of putting our trust in God, and celebrating the amazing news that's happening. As Zechariah questions, I want more proof of this, I catch myself doing that too. Jesus loves me. I know that to be true, and so do you. But I'm not feeling it. I catch myself saying, oh, I'm not feeling it. So it's pretty tough right now, God. Would you, can you give me a sign that you still love me? As if sending his son to this world to show us how to live, to die a painful death for me and rise from the dead is not a big enough sign. Or I'm a child, I'm a child of God, my eternity is sordid because of what Christ has done on the cross. Could you give me a little more to prove it? Do you hear how ridiculous that statement is? Because I'm not feeling it. And I don't know if I can trust it, that it's true. But just as God does so often, he gives Zechariah exactly what he asked for, doesn't he? Look at it in verse 19. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. There's almost sarcasm in all the way through this comments now. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you, to tell you this good news and now you will be silent, not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people waiting for Zechariah and wondering why, wondering why he was taking so long in the temple, when he came out, he could not speak to them. They realised that he'd seen a vision in the temple, and here's the irony, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. Now, well, he got his sign, didn't he? 
but it probably wasn't one that he wanted. But in God's grace and mercy and his love, he knew that that's what Zachariah needed. He forced Zachariah to stop speaking and to see and to hear and to reflect. And by the time that he could speak, the response that he has at that point, which we will look at later on uh, in weeks to come, could not have been further from his initial response, which would give us great hope for the ridiculous times we have bad responses. And as we, re- uh, sorry, and so what do we learn from Zechariah? Well, one, we should trust God. He keeps his promises. We know that to be true. Two, enjoy and celebrate those promises to us. And three, be careful what you ask for because God will always do what is best for us, even if we may not like it. Okay, let's have a look at Elizabeth. How does she respond? Well, her response is in from verse 23 here. Let me read it. When the time of service, when his time, Zachariah's time of service was completed, he returned home. And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained secluded. The Lord has done this for me, she says. And in these days she has shown favour and taken my disgrace among the people. I don't know what you hear when you hear that story, but another story from the Bible comes to mind as I read that, and that's the story that comes from Luke 10 with Mary and Martha, different Mary. Um, And uh, Jesus is in the house of Martha, and Martha's running around getting everything ready and trying to make it happen. And where's Mary? She's sitting at the feet of Jesus, thoroughly enjoying being with him. And Martha comes out and says, Jesus, you can do anything about this? Like, seriously, get my sister's butt into gear and get her in here to help me sort stuff out. And Jesus looks at her and rebukes her. says, Martha, you've got this wrong. Mary's actually doing the right thing here. And when I read this story, I see Elizabeth stepping away from the busyness of life, not yelling from the treetops, look, I'm pregnant, everyone, how wonderful is this? But actually stepping in closer to Jesus, into God, her father, and actually recognising how that relationship is precious and recognising how much God loves her, is merciful to her and gracious to her. And this Christmas, as we head into another one, I hope that our response might be similar, that we would stop and draw closer to God in the busyness of life to just stop, to meditate, to reflect How much does this God love us, love me? Because we don't deserve it. And to just recognise how loving and gracious, gracious and merciful he is to us by giving us this precious gift of Jesus, his son, to come into the world and take some decent time out of our busy lives to thank him for it. Well, last but not least, let's have a look at Mary's response. Uh, Verse 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel to Gabriel, sent an angel Gabriel to Nazarene, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. 
Mary was greatly troubled by his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, surprise, surprise, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus. He will be, call, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, Mary asks a very pragmatic question here. How will this be, Mary asks the angel, since I'm a virgin? It's a reasonable question, isn't it? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive in her six is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. Okay, that is absolutely amazing, isn't it? Mary has just been told she is going to carry the Saviour of the world, the dude that they've been waiting for thousands of years to come. Now, let's just put that into my head for a second and let's rewind because I'm getting old. She's a teenager. She has just been told that she's going to get pregnant without having sex. Now, uh, even the other day, I heard a sports commentator on the radio bagging her out that Mary just went behind the sports shed and probably got knocked up. Now, we shake our heads to that, but at that period of time, can you imagine, oh, yeah, I'm pregnant, but I didn't sleep with anyone. She's, she's a teenager. See, for us, it might be frowned upon to have a child out of wedlock here or, or without a husband. But back then, she could have been killed. She, she would be ostracised, pushed aside, cast out. She would lose friends and family. She, these, all, th all these things are real. Everything that a teenage girl would not want to happen to her, relationally with people around her, could happen at this point. Now, I want you, uh, that needs to soak in. Because Mary's response, rightfully so, as, as Vivian read it, should be ours. It should blow our minds away. Because in verse 38, we see that response. Ready? Mary's response. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Wow. Just wow. Complete and utter trust. Not even a teeny weeny little bit of selfishness there. It is an incredible example set for us that should humble our hearts that we should want to be like Mary at this point. Strike, we get a little bit of pushback or concerns getting on and we get caught out and going, oh, I can't keep following God or I'm done, this is too hard. This teenage girl is just about to walk into a minefield and yet she trusts God. And as we head towards Christmas with all the ups and downs of this year, and as we continue on in this series in the next coming weeks, how will we respond 
to Jesus. My prayer here is that not only that we hear and we see how these type of people respond to Christmas, that Jesus is coming, but we ourselves take the time to respond and react well. I hope we're not going to be like Zachariah, looking for more signs. Because the truth is, we have everything we need right here. In fact, if we go back to verse 1 in Luke, it states it pretty clearly, doesn't it? Let me read it for you. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know for certain of the things that have been taught. We have the scriptures so we know the truth. God is not hiding anything. This is the thing that blows me away about God all the time. He wants to be crystal clear. We may not agree with it all, but he wants to be crystal clear. And this is why Luke's been written. This is why we have these accounts. We don't need any more signs. We've got God's word right here. I hope that as we head towards Christmas, we, like Elizabeth, take the time in our busy life to stop, to meditate, to let it soak in how much God loves us through sending his son into this world. But most of all, as we head towards this Christmas, and think of these things on how much God has loved and cared for us through his grace and mercy by sending Jesus into this world, that our response might be as bold as Mary's, that we might too say, I am the Lord's servant. Let's pray. Lord, as I stand here today and I say those words, I am the Lord's servant, I know how weak and ridiculous I am in that. And as a people, you know each one of us here and you know that we fall short on that often. And Lord, we are thankful for these responses being written because as we think about heading towards Christmas and what you've done to, for us through sending your son, it should bring us great joy. It should lift our hearts. It should give us confidence. And Lord, the response to that should be nothing less than wanting to serve you with every bit we've got. And I pray, Lord, that uh, through this Christmas, it may not be a Christmas like any other. That we might be reminded clearly through this year of COVID and ups and downs that we've had to deal with, with uh, many things for many of us, that in amongst that, there is absolutely great news being spoken to us that we know to be true and help us to live our lives in response to that, that we can call you Father, that we have a Saviour that has taken the punishment for the stupid things that we have done and that we have our, etern our eternities can be sorted as we turn to Jesus and seek that forgiveness. And this is the story of you sending your saviour, your son, into this world. We need to be reminded of this, Lord. And this Christmas period help us not just to be reminded, but to express it with great joy. For Jesus' sake. Amen.